This is the City of God podcast, where Christ meets culture. Welcome to the City of God podcast, where we are weekly exploring today's biggest cultural issues all through the lens of God's infallible word. I am Rob Pacienza, and I am joined by my co-host, John Rabe. John, great to see you. It's great to see you again. As always, Rob, enjoy getting together each week to, to talk through these topics and talk to our excellent guests. And we have yet another one today. And, and Rob, for my money... Our guest today is someone who should be far more well-known than than perhaps he is. This may be an introduction to him for many of our listeners, but he's a guy whose work I've been relying on for many years now. I know that you've benefited from his work as well. I don't think anybody sees the landscape of the of pagan spirituality and how it's infiltrated our culture and the church better than today's guest. Yeah, and that guest is Dr. Peter Jones. He is a pastor in the Presbyterian Church in America. He is is the executive director of Truth Exchange, which helps um, Christians everywhere articulate their faith uh, in this cultural moment. Uh, he's also the author of The Other Worldview, Exposing Christianity's Greatest Threat. And I just think he is an important voice, an important thought leader to engage the philosophy of this present age and really help Christians think through how they are living out that Romans 12 mandate to not conform to the world or this present age, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Rob, you and I give a lot of thought to these issues. We spend a lot of time here talking about these issues, and yet Peter Jones brought some things to this discussion that were new to me that I just hadn't considered in the specific ways that he brings them out. So I think it's just a, an extraordinarily valuable discussion. Something very interesting about Peter Jones, too, you see sort of the two worldviews at play, and he'll talk more about this, the pagan spirituality, which is any non-Christian spirituality, and then true Christian spirituality. Uh, he's from Liverpool, England originally, and was a school friend of the late John Lennon. Uh, John Lennon, of course, one of the most well-known people in the 20th century. They shared a desk together for five years in what they call secondary school in uh, in England. And you see the the vastly different directions that each headed in when it comes to Talk spirituality. About a, talk about opposing worldviews there. Exactly. Yeah, he, talks, uh, he, he uses the phrase uh, oneism and twoism, and we'll have an opportunity to unpack the difference between oneism and twoism and the opposing worldviews that uh, have always existed, but uh, now really are being exposed uh, with the rise of secularism in uh, North America. Absolutely. And John Lennon would have been a great representative of what we call oneism. And and Peter Jones will talk to us about why twoism is the more biblical worldview. As we have this discussion, one of the things that we spend some time talking about is paganism seeping into the church. And we discuss a, uh, a an invocation that was given by a female Lutheran, quote unquote, minister. Uh, it's called the Sparkle Creed. And, and so we want to take a moment and play that for you so that you can hear this with your own ears. We'll also set into context the discussion that we have with Peter Jones about it. But uh, get ready for this, because uh, if you are an Orthodox Christian, a Bible-believing Christian, this is going to shock you coming from a minister in a Christian church. Let's take a listen to that clip now. Of the Sparkle Creed. I believe in the non-binary God, whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads. 
and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the AIDS quilt, whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love. So beloved, let us love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. Amen. I'm so glad we were able to share that with uh, our audience because it's it's one thing to talk about uh, the new age spirituality or even paganism creeping into our culture, but now seeing it uh, creeping into and, and not even creeping yeah, in, it's, it's, stopping it's, it's into like a waterfall, yeah. just kind of rushing into our churches and into Christianity in the West. And it, uh, uh something to be said, uh, about the warnings of scripture, yes. uh, when, uh, paganism, uh, which has always, uh, been infiltrated trading uh, the Church of Jesus Christ uh, throughout, you know, it, its history, but now just uh, seeing it uh, just overwhelmingly uh, just uh, consume the the minds uh, of uh, not only our people sitting in the pews, but our Christian leaders and uh, to see them embracing other worldviews and is what, amazing. Yeah. And what we just heard there, that's not a, that's not a twisting of Christianity. That's a replacement of Christianity. Absolutely. And that's what's going on here. Yeah. Definitely. So uh, thoroughly enjoyed this interview, and I pray that you will as well. And here is our interview on the City of God podcast with Dr. Peter Jones. Dr. Jones, you write a lot about paganism and uh, neo-paganism, and I think a, some Christians might hear this idea of modern paganism and say, wasn't paganism something that was dealt with in Rome? Isn't that an ancient religion? Uh, but uh, you you say to the contrary, we're, we're, we're seeing a new wave of paganism in our culture. How specifically are we seeing this neo-paganism today in the 21st century? Well, I think what has changed is the invasion of Eastern religion. And Eastern religion is essentially pagan. You think of the uh, yin and the yang, which joins everything together. Uh, in That's a Chinese uh, Tai Chi. Then you have the Hindu religion, which has become very much part of the way we think and the essential element, this is interesting, the essential element of Hinduism is the term Advaita. No one knows what this means, but it means not to. Non-binary. <laughs> hmm. Advaita. So Hinduism as well brings people to affirm this non-binary reality of life. And of course, once you reject God as the creator distinct from us, then you're full into paganism, however much uh, people want to describe it in new ways. They're simply really old ways uh, rejuvenated, as you can see with yin and yang and Advaita. But these have gone all over our culture as we've decided we don't need the old God of the Bible. We need these new gods of Eastern religion. 
I want to go back as I'm thinking about it from that perspective to the the very interesting perspective that you pointed out from Paul in Romans 1. Uh, without being too esoteric about it, would it be fair to say that when we look at, at you know, these sexual issues, which have been such a a major turning point in our culture. When we look, for instance, at homosexuality, is it based on what Paul is saying in Romans 1, fair to say that homosexuality in some way is actually a denial of the other? It's an embrace of of self and a, a denial of the other. An embrace of the same. Homo it yeah, means... same. No, that's... that's I don't, no, we do have such a thing as Christian homosexuals, but they have not thought deeply about the issues because homosexuality is love of the same. And uh, we know from Scripture in Genesis 1 that God created us male and female to reflect his image. And so sexuality is essential to us because it gives us the notion of who we are as human beings made in God's image. And that image is the distinction between male and female, just as we are distinct from God the Creator. So if you don't think in those deep terms, you can easily pass over homosexuality as just another way of loving somebody. And it doesn't get to the depth of thing. I think the other way of talking about homosexuality is by the term androgyny. And that's really the new form of viewing sexuality because it includes pretty much everything. Androgyny means the joining of male and female. And clearly that includes homosexuality since in a homosexual relationship, two males get to play both male and female. It includes bisexualism, obviously, because people are being both male and female. It includes uh, genderism, because you have a human being who's a male claiming he's a woman. So you're joining these two notions that should distinguish us, joining them together. And so androgyny is the fundamental way of understanding sexuality in our day. And uh, I think it's important to realize how essential androgyny is in confusing distinctions mm. of making a statement of, uh, of oneism, of um, non-binary reality. And that goes, you see, all over the place. People call themselves non-binary Christians because they've failed to take account of how God presents himself as creator and distinct from us. And that's the important part of who he is. And that's obviously the very essence of holiness. For instance, holiness means distinct things, things in their own places where God has placed them. And so we lose all notion in androgyny of holiness. And you can see how that could have an influence in the Christian church. If we cannot really know the, no the notion of holiness, then our witness is really pagan. 
our ministry is currently working on a special called the gender delusion. And one of the things that we're going to be delving into is trans ideology. I mean, we're seeing this all over the place. We're seeing this uh, in athletics, mainstream media, our government, including our president, openly celebrates it. Um, seems it's an issue and debate in our public school systems here in North America and, and, and beyond, of course. And so how, what is your advice and your word to Christians on how they can combat this next wave of the modern LGBTQ agenda? First of all, I would say we need to avoid, avoid moralism. In other words, we need to avoid being holier than thou. This is an issue of the fall, and we're all affected by the fall. So we can always present ourselves to other people as sinners. And I think that that's absolutely essential that we do not engage in a moralism that says we are pure and you're impure. That's good. We're all impure since we've all fallen. But the extent to the fall needs to be recognized. And I think for non-Christians, it's helpful, perhaps. And well, I don't shouldn't say perhaps because I have a friend who goes to all these non to these pagan meetings and he talks about oneism and twoism and what he's told me is this many uh, he went to the witchcraft uh, world meeting recently and he said that it was so eye opening for these witches to realize that there are two systems in that simple way and they agreed with him. And so I think that if we place before people what they need, which is how to think in terms of worldview, and then do it in a simple way, like oneism and twoism, then I believe we can get to a certain base in the way we bring to them the helpful notion of worldview, which wants to put the world in its rightful shape. The point that you've been making here is is very clear that these are mutually exclusive ideas. There's no melding together oneism and twoism. There is no melding together. Either you have the creature creator distinction or you don't. Uh, there's there's no sort of third way there in a culture that wants to f- meld things together. Um, you I know have recently written on uh, a video that I and many other people saw as well. Uh, it was the an invocation in a, I believe it was a Lutheran church, a, uh, a female pastor who uh, offered up a uh, a benediction or a beginning of, of the, the service. Confession, actually. Okay, yeah. And it, it, it tell us a little bit about that and how uh, dangerous it is for the church to be bringing this sort of stuff into its worship and how that compromises the gospel. Well, it clearly is a very liberal church, and this woman immediately went on to include homosexuality as part of God's desire. Another Lutheran I read said, God is queer. Mm. So this is an attack upon God as a twoist God distinct from us, and an attack on biblical spirituality, namely the distinction between males and females, 
another pastor got up. I don't know whether you followed that, but he said that the young people in the audience were under the spirit, uh, under the influence of tourist people. Tourist people is a way of referring to the American Indian uh, Bedache, mm. who is a homosexual priest. And uh, that is the way in which we need to think about, finally, about sexuality and especially androgyny, that in the, in the past, and I found a, uh, a brilliant scholar who did this research, even though we agreed with it, he was very clear about it, that he talked about ritual androgyny. And he found this throughout history in all the pagan expressions from the second millennium BC, the worship of God, the goddess Ishtar with homosexual priests all the way through to Rome and then into obviously uh, the Eastern religions or the American Indian religions of the 16th century. And he described all that as androgyny and the fact that it, and this is what paganism claims to always do, to join the opposites. Mm. And to join the opposites is to actually make a statement that there is no creator. So throughout history, paganism has wanted to celebrate the fact that we can exist without the creator. We join the opposites. The sad thing about that, of course, is the scary thing about that is that we join the opposites of good and evil. And I don't know whether you want to trust people who will join those opposites <laughs> about in, in the future of our culture. But unfortunately, the more we accept this ideology, the more we will join the opposites of good and evil. And where will that lead us? I don't know. Dr. Jones, we're both members of the uh, Presbyterian Church in America. We've certainly been dealing with... Congratulations to be part of my church. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's an honor. Uh, we, we've certainly dealt with our issues and controversies the last few years at the at the national level, at a general assembly. Um, so we're not just seeing uh, these challenges in, in mainline uh, Protestantism anymore. We're also seeing it in some of the most conservative denominations in, in North America. Uh, many, and it's not just the LGBTQ issue, it's uh, many issues where we're seeing uh, conservative Christians and conservative thought leaders and denominations compromising biblical values in order to accommodate an ever-changing culture. So what would your charge be to those Christians and, and leaders in particular in this cultural moment? I would charge them to think about and actually study transgenderism throughout history. Hmm. And what does that give us in the end? Um, the scholar I'm talking about actually cited the meaning that these groups give to, as I said, to uh, androgyny is naming the joining of the opposites and thus there is no ultimate creator. And that becomes the ultimate reference point of our gospel. We have to be able to make that statement, says Paul. He has a 
fascinating uh, statement I find in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Listen to this. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Notice that the shining in darkness in the creation leads to the shining of the light of the glory of God in Jesus in the gospel. And so he brings together both God the creator and God the redeemer. And I think if, if we don't hold those two things together, we will fail the gospel and fail the Lord who is behind both creation and redemption. Outstanding. I, this is, uh, as we wrap up here, this is really a, a sort of an unfair question to ask you to briefly summarize this, but you have been the author of, of numerous books, and we direct people to those if they're wanting to learn more about this really deeper view of what's going on uh, in, in the, not only the sexual issues that we see today, but the, the New Age movement and the, the modern paganism that is that is taken over. But you have a book over your shoulder that's one of your more recent ones that I think is, is fascinating, uh, called Who's Rainbow? Uh, that's even, the, yeah, there it is. And and that's a, uh, a great title. Tell me a little bit about the thesis of that book, because that, of course, is a symbol that has become today synonymous with the LGBTQ movement. And yet, um, that is not what the rainbow is originally given well, to mean. Well, Another book I wrote, one or two, <laughs> is laying out, as this one does, the implications. This, though, in the implications of sexuality. So I think people can be helped by those two books. Uh, one of them, one or two, is more of a, um, a theological uh, treatment. Mm. But, you know, when I said the this New Age stuff is Gnosticism. It's very interesting to know what Gnosticism is. Gnosticism, and I'm probably not telling you anything, is the rejection of God the Creator. The rejection of God the Creator and the Old Testament. So anytime you see that happening, you know that Gnosticism is present. As a matter of fact, one Gnostic text says that they threw God the Creator into hell. And that's precisely what we must avoid doing by making our gospel the gospel of God, the Creator, and the Redeemer. And that ultimately God will be known uh, as God, the Creator, as the uh, elders in the future actually say, that we will praise Him as God, the Creator. So Paul is not wrong when he takes us in Romans 125 to this key distinction of creator and creature. And I think we've lost our way by not sticking with Paul on this fundamental issue. Dr. Jones, Who's Rainbow, one or two, all of your resources, all of your writings. If people want to find out more about you and Truth Exchange, uh, where what's the website? Can you give that to our audience? Very simple, truthexchange.com. Right. And that's with an X, correct? With an X, truthexchange. Yep. That's so cute, I know. <laughs> .com. 
yep. and you will get all the information. All my recent writings, I, I tend to write once a month uh, what I call comments on the culture, where I try to seize on individual issues that have come up like that one about this sparkle confession, as they call it. Okay. And try to show how it is totally pagan. Mm. Uh, I'm obviously wanting to show God the creator as part of the gospel. Well, we are so grateful for you and for Truth Exchange. That's truthxchange.com. Uh, Dr. Peter Jones, we're grateful for your voice, uh, for your scholarship, and bringing just a theological uh, robustness and credibility to this cultural moment. So thank you for your ministry and for joining us on the City of God podcast today. Well, it was a delight to talk to you, brothers, and uh, I pray that the Lord will bless you as you seek to carry this through your podcast and through your important church to the rest of the culture. Thank you for watching and listening to this episode of the City of God podcast with our special guest, Dr. Peter Jones. If you enjoyed this podcast or any of the other previous podcasts, I pray that you would uh, be encouraged to pass this along to family and friends as we together uh, explore what it means to engage this cultural moment, uh, to have a worldview that is informed uh, through the infallible word of God. Until next time, may God richly bless you. The City of God podcast is produced by Coral Ridge Ministries and made in partnership with the Institute for Faith and Culture. Visit us at cityofgodpodcast.com to access all of our previous episodes. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or anywhere you get podcasts. A full video version of this podcast is available on YouTube. This is the City of God podcast where Christ meets culture.